stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! So Dixon is invincible and Takuma comes from the back. Reminds me of an old catchphrase. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Welcome back! This sounds familiar, doesn't it? Welcome to episode 159 of Motorsport 101. This is part two of our double recording for the weekend, if you haven't been here already. With me, once again, is Mr. Ryan King. Hello, sir. No. Dick, Dixon, Dixon isn't invincible. He is literally the physical manifestation of destiny. Whether you throw man or machine at him, he will just keep going. Nothing can stop him. Except maybe, like, putting him... Like, junk him into, like, a massive vat of molten metal. That's probably the only thing that's stopping Scott Dixon. And even um, then, if he, he'd still probably come away with, like, a gritty top ten finish. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Most people, well, most people, uh, when they put ballast in their car, they just you drop a couple of lead weights in there to try and balance it out. In the case of Scott Dixon, he just runs the Infinity Gauntlet as ballast. <laughs> Yep, Dixon is a T1000 confirmed. Um, <laughs> got into our Discord chat. Um, right, of course, RJ O'Connell is with me as well for part two. And I love the comment of Steve in the Discord who says, Dixon is the Energizer Bunny? Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much at this point, Jesus. Um, <laughs> yeah, on that one. So in this part two, we'll be talking all about IndyCar's return to Portland after over a decade off the calendar. And it was a fun time for all involved. Well, yeah. Apart from Mario Andretti and James Hinchcliffe, maybe. Uh, more on that very shortly. But um, you mean Marco? Because definitely you mean Marco. I'm assuming Mario did not have fun seeing his grandson get dumped over onto his side. Well done, me. Well done, me. That that's one for the blooper reel. Ah, oh, crap. <laughs> But uh, all the drama from Portland as well. And we'll break down some of the news. Uh, because, uh, my God, we had a war. Um, we've had, we've had, there's a lot of news as well um, regarding the Indy Lights title. Driver changes coming up for 2019 in Formula One. A big potential new entry for the IndyCar calendar for 2019. And Danil Kvyat apparently having Stockholm Syndrome. More on that in a bit. But places you can find us real quick. Again, more timer on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 1. I literally just said this six minutes ago. It's kind of weird. We're on Facebook.com. Yeah. Yeah. Professional editing there, kids. We're professionals on this show. Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. Our personal handles are at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, and at RJ O'Connell. We're on Patreon if you'd like to back us financially. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to both this show and Bike Live, our sister show. That'll be out as well this weekend previewing the British Superbikes at uh, Silverstone, they'll be running the national layout now, not the Grand Prix layout, and MotoGP at Misano as well. And of course, if you look back at the $10 level, you can come into our Discord, you can chat with us and listen to these shows directly as they're being recorded. It's a fun time for all involved. Um, and if you haven't seen our website already, you can for all our back content as well. We're on our website, motorsport101.com, and we have a brand new written piece up by RJ O'Connell talking about, ta-da, 
Makano and how we got to that first epic Formula 2 victory this past weekend. Going back into the realms of Super GT. Again, fun times. So check it out if you haven't already. Um, so without further ado, after this week musical interlude, we'll get into the IndyCar Grand Prix of Portland. So, for the first time in 11 years, uh, Portland is back, yo! And uh, I have to say, like, cause I, I know one of our Patreon backers, Tyler, was actually at, um, you know, actually at the event this year, which I thought was pretty cool. The turnout seemed to be really good. I have to say, like, like the turnout, the fan, the fan appearance, it sounded great. I mean, did, did you get a, that impression from watching it on TV, King? Yeah, because first off, they. They don't have much racing in that part of America. No, this is the Pacific Northwest. There is not a major stock car race. Uh, usually, you got to go to like Northern California for that kind of shit. Yeah, the other side. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I didn't realize there was a, a lack of racing down that Portland side and whatnot. So uh, yeah, that 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 makes sense. That that definitely makes sense um, where that's concerned. But so uh, yeah, the turnout. I think apparently over forty thousand on race day, which is a good turnout. Um, yeah, to say for a least. Labor Day race going up against yes. Darlington uh, the same day, which, shout out to Brad Keselowski, by the way, you get that right off the bat, winning in the yes. Rusty Wallace throwback. That car looked amazing at night. It did, but, my God. But let's, go, but let's go back to more important matters at hand. Portland was a draw. It put asses in the seats. And my God, we get a race out of that. We did indeed. Going as far back as Saturday on when the weekend started, the big shocker, although not really a big shocker if you've been following the series more in-depthly, Scott Dixon failed to make the far six, qualifies in 11th place, and everyone's going, <gasps> apart from my man Tony Dezino, who pointed out, on every road course this season, Dixon's average qualifying place is 10.3. He's not been fast on the road courses this year, despite... His reputation. It's kind of weird that that one turned out on that one, funnily enough. It's like Dixon actually is not that surprised and he didn't make the far six. It was Will Power um, who on pole position yet again. He's just so goddamn quick. And to, you know, to beat the field by three temps, that, that was that was his teammate Joseph Newgarden on the front row alongside him. Um, to beat the field by three temps on a 57-second lap, <laughs> uh, given it's the first time back in, in over a decade. That's incredible from Will Power. Like, I, I don't know how he does it half the time. It's uh, He's got unbelievable speed underneath him um, on that one. But, uh, you know, it was Power on the front row ahead of Newgarden. Alex Rossi, main title contender in third ahead of Sebastian Bourdais, the defending race winner that he won the last time they raced there in 2007. Um, Ryan Hunter Ray in fifth. And Zach Veach making the fast six for Andretti yeah. there as well. Good to see as well Veach there making the top six as well. So, the race starts, and oh my god, there's an Andretti in the air. Um, oh, 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 yes, I I actually got to listen to this in the first part of the radio, driving home from Atlanta, and whoa, buddy, oh, that sounded like it hurt. Yeah, to put it into perspective, Zach Veach and James Hinchcliffe make contact coming out of turn three, and uh, it, it, spins, it spins Hinchcliffe out, and... Uh, 
He is rammed into the gravel, I think, by Graham Rahal. They both collide there. Andretti goes flying over the top of the pair of them. Um, and, like, Dixon gets caught up in it. Ed Jones gets caught up in it as well. So five cars races were affected by it right off the get-go. Dixon somehow survives. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. Not only does he escape major... Not only does he escape major damage, he doesn't hit anything. It's weird, like that. He, he doesn't hit anything. He doesn't stall his car, so he doesn't have to get wait for it to get refired. So he stays on the lead lap. Yeah, it was unbelievable. The medical team is out there making sure everybody's like that. They're, they're, like in the process of flipping Andretti's car back over again. Luckily, obviously, uh, you know, Marco was okay. Um, they flipped the car back over. Dixon is waiting for the medical car to move out of the way so he can get his car back on the racetrack. Somehow, like they, 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 <coughs> pardon me, um, they showed the onboard of Dixon driving into the smoke cloud. Somehow he doesn't hit anything. I do not understand how that happened. Like Dixon is like it's it's like Ned Flanders when he pr- he goes up and he prays and he goes, "Hey God, it's me, Neddy." And next thing you know, his car is <laughs> almost completely unharmed, um, apart from a black eye on the front nose cone. But that's about as far as it went for Dixon. Again, as King mentioned, he was able to get it going again. He didn't even stall the car. He was able to stay on the lead lap and pick up. Um, the pace car again by the time the restart came back around again on lap 7 but it was uh, Will Power who led the early laps of the race he had Alex Rossi chasing him behind because Rossi come up to second place and then uh, just when you thought Will Power's luck was turning around for the season gearbox failure Um, well Mm. a brief gearbox failure but the damage was done he'd slowed all the way down effectively to the back of the field he did a quick power cycle on the car it did fix the problem but uh, the damage was done that effectively ended power's chances of the win and realistically his championship as well and uh uh King, it's like it's like it's like it's amazing how Will Power has just been so brutally unlucky the last couple of years, and he's just going after that second IndyCar title. But hey, at least he has the 500, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's like it was painful because it felt like at other places it wouldn't have been such a problem because he had effectively lost first gear. Yeah. But the only issue is the first corner is a slow first gear chicane. Of course. Um, sod's law, in it. It's, it's, it's Monaco all over again. It's like, Daniel Ricciardo, you've got, a, you've got an MGUK failure. Oh, wait, it's Monaco, the one place where you can get away with that shit. Um, <laughs> so, you know, um, that, but again, the damage was done for power, and he sadly put the exclamation point on it later in the race um, when he put a couple of wheels on the grass. And this, the, the final corner had been infamous this weekend for causing problems. Um, Simon Pagano had hit it earlier in the weekend. Takuma Sato had hit it in practice as well. That last corner wall was causing problems, and Power ran himself into it, which caused a, a, a full-course yellow. Um, in the middle portion of the race, you end up finishing. I think it was seven laps down in the end, and seven laps down in the end in twenty-first place after leading eleven laps. So yeah, power effectively taking himself out of the title picture um, via a combination of gearbox failure and the wall. Um, unfortunately, yeah. Let's uh, let's first mention that Will Power and Byte Sench and Joseph Newgarden are still mathematically eligible for the title but mm. it is a long long climb out of it again we have double points in sonoma you know for better or for worse 
but it's an 87-point hole that both Power and Newgarden are going to have to climb out of. Yeah, effectively, uh, effectively, both Rossi and Dixon would have to fail to finish. Yeah, they would have to be the first cars taken out at like the first corner. Yeah. yeah, because even for 25th, you get 5 points, which would double up to 10. So, like, a top 23 finish for Dixon would eliminate Power and New Garden from title contention right there and then. So, for, for all intents and purposes, it now officially is a two-horse race between Dixon and Rossi. More on that in a minute. Um, but the other, I think, major race-altering caution that came down was uh, our friend and yours... <laughs> Or as Paul Tracy now calls him, Santucci. They're on that level now. <laughs> Golden Cock Award front running. <laughs> and, and folks, uh, and there are many candidates to pop up, but uh, he's, he's solidly up in the running. He, he's already at half-mast. Um, but... Uh, yeah, Santino, who was back, you know, much drama was made about Dale Coyne bringing him in for the final two races of the IndyCar season. In his own third car, no less. Yes, like, Dale Coyne pushing out for a third car for Santino Ferrucci. It's like my idea of hell. It's like, what does the ape circle of hell look like? It's like, no, just, just like, Siri, like, just play me, like, this, like, the last 20 laps of that race. And you just seen Santino Ferrucci running his highest third at one point, may I add, as well in, you know. All I can say is, yeah, up to up till that point where he ran out of food, I was just like, God damn it, that goose stepper can drive. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I'll, I'll, I'll give him, it's, there's, as Al Michaels once said, there's no heroism here. It was just an incredible thing in a driving sense that he got the car cleanly up into the top ten and then he ran it out of fuel. Yep. That caused that. It was a bit of a delay on it, but it did cause a caution. I mean, with Portland being such a short lap, um, it wouldn't have taken much for cars to react. And uh, yet, a lot of the field would come in for a, a last stop, basically on lap 75, when that last caution came out at the end, and it put Takuma Sato up at the front. Um, it's, it's like, oh my god, it's Sato! Hello! Where have you been lately? Um, but Takuma um, got to lead him away after the restart, after Max Chilton had to take a late splash and dash in the end. Uh, it turned into a straight two-horse dogfight between Takuma Sato and... You can, you've probably seen this one before, kids. It's Ryan Hunter Ray chasing down a race victory with, like, fireballs coming out of his eyes. <laughs> We've been here before this season, folks. Um, <laughs> <coughs> pardon me. But, uh, yeah, Takuma Sato trying to hold on with Ryan Hunter Ray with, like, a bajillion more seconds pushed to pass. Um, trying to overtake him. But Takuma had enough in the tank to take his third ever Verizon IndyCar Series victory and now has the kind of, I guess you can call it IndyCar Triple Crown of having a win on an oval, a, a you know, an oval, a street track and a permanent road course. So yay! Um, I still find it weird after Takuma after all this time only has three IndyCar wins. It's actually a little bit sad because I think he's a bit more talented than that makes out. But uh, I also find it weird that he, that after passing the age of 40, this is probably the best Sato's driven in IndyCar on a consistent basis. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's been yeah. great. He's been great all season long. He's a, he's a, like I, I know like it's it's actually kind of funny that he's actually showed up Graham Rahal a little bit, which I did which I did not expect. I I kind of jokingly 
putting it out there. And I guess Ray Hall has been the better guy for consistency. But now, look at the championship now. Ray Hall only has 37 more points than Takuma Sato does. That is unexpected. I'm just throwing that out there. I didn't think Sato would be that close. Um, reading into it now, but I, I do find that to be quite funny. No, I know I look at it, but uh, yeah, Takuma holding off Ryan Hunter-Ray. I want to give a couple of shout-outs to some guys in the midfield who ran well. The Brits, um, to a degree. Like, Jack Harvey had a great drive in the middle of that race. He was our buddy, Jack Harvey. Our friend and yours, um, the nerd, Jack Harvey, out out here <laughs> pulling out the big boys, running legitimately in the top six uh, for Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports. Um uh, and technically Michael Shank racing as well but uh, yes um, a brilliant drive from Harvey it's a real shame the result doesn't show it on that one he ended up finishing in 16th place because of the you know the late race caution and the, the reshuffle on that he got one of the real victims of that with him and Jordan King Jordan King ran very well as well Jordan King was running I think third at one point as, as well like Jordan King was out here doing the Lord's work on there so the Brits out there driving hard. Zach Veach was having a good day as well, but of course he had a damaged car and then he would go off in the midfield and that was, you know, that was the end of Veach's day really. It's a shame because he's been, he's had four straight top tens going into this weekend, uh, unable to continue that run of form as well. It's a, it's a, it's a bit of a bummer on that one. But uh, running down the order real quick for the race itself. Takuma Sato winning uh, in Portland by just six tenths of a second in the end from Ryan Hunter Ray, who just could not get the power down in the infield to take advantage of a vulnerable Sato there at the end. Sebastian Bourdais, uh, a little bit on his own there, a little a couple of seconds back in third. Great result for Seb. Um, King, your man's, your man's is doing the good. Yes, Bourdais. Yes, Bourdais, <laughs> in like a Frankenstein's car because all the bodywork issues. Because I think he had a crash at the weekend. <laughs> they had to get one of the old parts out from his usual yellow car on top of the purple one he was already running. I thought it was quite funny. So in the Frankenstein car, uh, Seb Bourdais yeah. in, on the podium. Yeah, first podium since the win in St. Pete. Wow. That's kind of a bummer, really, because, again, Bordet's he's driven a lot better than I think his results indicate, again. But, uh, you know, that's IndyCar for you sometimes. Spencer Piggott in fourth. Like, he's, he's refusing to go away, Spencer. He's, he's, he's done some great drives for Red Carbon to This is another top five result for Spencer. Um, From 17th on the grid. I know, This right? is going to be a thing in the top ten. People are coming back from absolutely nowhere to do well indeed like i mean we didn't even mention takuma sato started this race from 20th on the grid he's only he started it from 20th yeah he is only i think the sixth man to ever win an indycar race from 20th or further back and the last guy to do that was seb Bourdais at saint pete last season when he won it from 21st on the grid um so yeah like there's a lot of you know hard charges through the field on this occasion, as Spencer Piggott from 17th to 4th, including a stunning pass around the outside of the back straight on Scott Dixon to get that 4th place over him in the end. Um, uh, that was a that was the pass of the race, maybe the pass of the season contender for IndyCar as well. Like, Seb Bourdais one should have counted, for God's sake. <laughs> but hey, we'll take it. Spencer, United's finest, in 4th place there. Great drive for him. Like, Ed Carpenter had a strong team all weekend again. Um, I think Jordan King deserved a bit of a better result than what he got in the end, but uh, Spencer in fourth is a great showing once again. It, it's kind of amazing, isn't it, King, that you know we were talking about the lack of homegrown stars in this series, and all of a sudden this series is now bursting with them, like, out, out the ass. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> 
so many Americans. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you've got the big three of New God and Rossi and Rahul, but now you've got guys like Spencer Piggott coming through as well. And oh, the, the, the future of the series, I think, is in very solid hands. I'll say that much when it comes to homegrown stars. And of course, I peel my eyes down to fifth, and it says here Scott Dixon finished in fifth. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Dezino again put out a great stat where he where they he said straight up every time Dixon has qualified outside of the top ten this season he has brought it back to finish in the top five. If there was a champions meter for for IndyCar drives, Scott Dixon would have broken the scale by now. He refuses to go away. Um, yeah. Worth mentioning as well that not only did Dixon avoid damage in the wreck. On lap 40, he was tagged with a drive-through penalty for speeding in the pit lane. That should have been it. That should have been that title race done and dusted. And now it's Aaron Rashford you've been going to Sonoma with the points lead. But no. Nope. Yeah. At that point in time, Rossi would have been carrying a 14-point lead going into the final round. Instead, he's now 29 points down because of the swing and obviously the, the reshuffle and whatnot. More on that in a minute. But uh, yeah, uh, Dixon just keeps you know keeps pulling a rabbit out of the hat he's doing a phenomenal job where that's concerned um simon pagino who started from 22nd on the grid would end up finishing in sixth charlie kimball another really solid drive for the carlin boys there in seventh place from 25th (laughs) 25th and last charlie kimball plus 18 because of course um <laughs> we have to upgrade him from draconian again i can't ignore it any longer <laughs> yeah no seriously charlie has arguably been better uh this year with a first year indycar team than in a lot of his seasons with established powerhouse chip ganassi let that set in indeed indeed charlie kimball out here doing the lord's work in seventh main title contender led more laps than anybody else with 32 alex rossi in eighth he had to claw it back up the old-fashioned way after losing out on the reshuffle he had ended up clawing his way back up into eighth place in the end good pace from rossi once again all weekend long just results just didn't go his way on this occasion Pietro Fittipaldi in ninth. Uh, wow. Have a have a bow for the for the other Dale Coin Racing rookie. You know the one that's actually likable. Yes. Best career <laughs> IndyCar Series finish. Just weeks removed from from breaking his legs at Spa and coming back way too soon. Way to, way to go, Pietro. That's a brilliant drive from him. Joseph Newgarden in tenth, led eight laps, dive bombed the shit out of Scott Dixon earlier on. Again, lost out on the reshuffle, would finish in tenth in the end. Tony Canaan in eleventh, twelfth. Um, Carlos Munoz, who will be filling in the, in the number six car for the rest of the season. Of course, not the greatest of circumstances, but we're personally, I, I, I will say personally, delighted to see our boy Carlos back in the car for a little bit um so you know nice nice to see him back there even if um circumstances weren't ideal to say the least of course also i think i don't think i mentioned it last week but we have now robert wickens is back in indiana um we're continuing his rehabilitation we're thinking of you robert keep keep fighting the good fight sir uh, carlos in 12th place the best of the spm cars on this occasion gabby chavez which i think is one of Harden's best results of the year so far in 13th um, which I think they'll take that one. Faith Leist in 14th. Jordan King, 15th. Again, was running as high as third at one point. Just really unlucky on the reshuffle. As was Jack Harvey in 16th. 
Alfonso Chelis making his second appearance for the Junkos team in 17th. Max Chilton, 18th. Zach Veach, who damaged the floor of his car in that lap one incident and then would go off. Later on, he finished a lap down in 19th. Um, Redemption Ferrucci, apparently, according to depending on the way you read it. Um, he was in 20th, as mentioned. He ran out of fuel on a stint, would finish eventually four laps down. Will Power hit the wall. He'd end up finishing seven laps down. Um, James Hinchcliffe in 22nd, who was like, great job from the SBM guys to get him back out onto the track after getting the car damaged in the first place. He would end up 29 laps down, but hey, a bonus three points for just getting the car back out on track in the end. They all count, as they say. Hinch in 22nd. Jack Graham Rahal, Ed Jones, and Marco Andretti bringing up the rear, whose races lotted a combined about 20 seconds, um, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, Rahal, Jones, and Andretti did not make the flag at all. They were first out. But I believe Marco Andretti did win the uh, the Witcher Cooking. Was he the uh, was he the driver of that segment this I week? think I think he was. Um <laughs> I didn't actually get a chance to see that one unfortunately. I was I was only I was only there for the second half of the race initially. I know I missed it because again I was listening to the start race on the radio. Got to see the end of the TV. It was amazing. <laughs> As it turns out, Portland does have a place in contemporary IndyCar. It's Good it is a good fit. I thought that was a very enjoyable race. Um, um, again, like I was a bit nervous because I mean, Portland is a small racetrack. It's only again, as I mentioned, it's only about a fifty-seven second lap. I thought they might struggle for passes around here, but the main straight um, and the back straight were good passing opportunities. And yeah, we had good racing here, and you know, it was back and forth, unpredictable. I don't think you could have asked for much more out of a race on that occasion without major shenanigans, um, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, I thought that was a pretty fun race and a great return for Portland on the calendar. What do, what do you make of it, King? Yeah, it was great Great to be back. The The changes that they made in Portland since, you know, their absence from the calendars actually improved racing there. Definitely. Which is surprising considering how great the racing was there before. Indeed. Yeah, the racing apparently was pretty good in the past too, but uh, they... Like, I, 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 I want this to be just a stalwart on the calendar, please. Portland forever. But also bring back the Glen, please. Yeah, just... Why not both? Why, why not, not both? both? Yeah, why not? Have Watkins Glen in there, but have it in a better week slot, for God's sake. You can't be running that shit near the end. It's like, it's... Watkins Glen hasn't done well, but it's only really because it's always at the end of the year in a bad slot. Like, if you're going to do Watkins Glen, put it in a properly good spot, please. Like, that would be lovely to see. But yeah, very much enjoyed it. Portland was a very good race. Um, one of the better ones, I think, for IndyCar this season. I mean, I don't think IndyCar's had, like, a race that's blown people's minds, but I think they've had a lot of good to great races this year, and that in itself is a victory. Um, so... Looking at the IndyCar season standings with one round to go. And as RJ pointed out, remember, it is double points for the final round at Sonoma. So a potential 104 points at stake here um, still to play for. Scott Dixon with 598. Um, he has a now a 29-point lead. Somehow, through all this bullshit, Dixon added another three points to his championship lead. Do not ask me how. <laughs> Like it, it defies the laws of physics that he's been able to pull that off. But uh, yeah, he has a 29-point lead on Alex Rossi in second. Realistically, those are the only two guys that are going to win this from here. Um, as AJ points out in our Discord, yes, that, that AJ. 
Pizza Perfect Scott Dixon. You said it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yes, 29 points between those two. Those are your two main contenders going forward. Um, Will Power um, in third on 511. He is tied with Joseph Newgarden, but uh, both have 511. But Power has more second places on Countback, which puts him ahead. Um, both are now 87 points behind Scott Dixon, which realistically means their title hopes are just about done. Um, unfortunately, never. So, yeah, Penske's not going to win the championship this year, you guys. Um, Who'd have thunk it? Like, it's amazing how, like, last year, it's like, oh, you know, it was an open title, and then you realise Penske still won 10 out of 16 races. Um, this has not been a good year for Penske. There will be blood. Um, bring back Helio! Uh, <laughs> bring back Helio. We need some consistency back in the field. Bring back Helio Castroneves and his magnificent hair. <laughs> we need some consistency back in the field. We're bringing Helio back. That's a plan. God damn. How how wild is it to think that a team could have their driver's third, fourth, sits in the championship, and this still being written off as just a trash season? It's kind of funny how that turned out, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing either the championship you, or nothing. Yeah, amazing what happens when you raise the bar so high above everybody else that, you know, you, you gotta really try to clear it. Yeah, it's funny how that turns out. Some of the other runners and runners and riders, real quick, fighting for the minor positions. Hunter Ray on is now fifth on 462, ahead of Simon Pagano on 428. Robert Wickens, who is now sealed um, Rookie of the Year, mathematically speaking, on 391. That will be his final total for the season. Congratulations to Robert Wickens. He's had a phenomenal rookie season by all accounts. I know it's not really it's rookie and all but name and all that, but still, he's been fantastic all season long. So congrats to Robert for sealing up the Rookie of the Year honours. But that's concerned. He's still 13 points ahead of Graham Rahal on 378. Seb Bourdais up to ninth on 369. And James Hinchcliffe in the top 10 still on 369. Six, one as mentioned to Kuma now on 341 in 11th place so we all know what that means kids just one more round to go the Grand Prix of Sonoma which looks like it's going to be the last Grand Prix of Sonoma at least for now and 29 points covering Scott Dixon and Alex Rossi in what seems to be a one-on-one -on -one fight now for the IndyCar title Kit. Again, uh, qualifying is going to be massive, extra, extra important. It's, yeah, it's, because that already kind of puts one hand on the title, uh, depending on who qualifies ahead, and especially if one of them botches their qualifying run. And as I mentioned, who's been the guy who struggled on road course qualifying this season? It's been Scott Dixon, uh, who's, again, averaged I mean, outside of the top 10 for qualifying on road courses this year. So Dixon has not had ultimate pace over a lap this season not really so this, that's going to be interesting I mean RJ 29 points in hand who do you think wins the Verizon IndyCar Series title and why um that's that's so tough because I feel like everything logistically speaking with him winning uh with him winning two out of the last four races with him having a clear edge on permanent road courses, at least on one lap pace this season. It's gotta be Alexander Rossi. But I've fallen into this trap before in 2015. <laughs> oh boy. Held the league all championship season long, except through the last race of the season, and Scott Ditson beat him by that much. 
I'm yeah. not falling for uh, that again. I, I'm still sticking with my pick to start the season. I think Ditson wins. Yeah, like, to defend RJ's pick of Scott Dixon, we'll get further into the details later on the show, but Sonoma's set to have a record number of entries. We're seeing a possible maximum of 27 cars. There's going to be traffic out oh, there. Yeah. Having the lead is not going to be as, as big as as big of an advantage at Sonoma like it was in seasons past because you're not good. It's, it's not formula one backmarkers. Don't have to move over for Very you. True. Very true. And they're going to get up to them quicker because there's more cars on, 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 on the track. Most likely King. Who's your pick? Scott Dixon. It's Scott Dixon. Ooh. And that leaves it to me to break the tie. Um, well, Boxex not tight because yeah, because RJ flips off the went for went for Dixon and yeah, my bad. I thought my Rossi for a second there. My brain just had a fr- had a freeze moment for a second. Oh boy, you both. I think due to the, to the better supporting cast around him, who might be able to take positions off him. I just have a hunch, especially given I know a friend of the show Sarah Connors is going to be down there. I have a feeling Alex Rossi is going to steal this at the death. I re- oh, Sarah's going to be there at Sonoma. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, buddy. Then, then I, then <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if I'm 100% committed to change my pick. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, uh, I will say we need her on the show if if she if uh, Rossi does pull it off. Yeah, there there will be there will be tears shed and mocking aplenty. Um. But again, I think I'm fine with this. I think with the Andrettis that have generally ran very well this year, Hunter Ray will probably be in contention for the win. I think Zach Veach is coming along really nicely. I think even Marco on a good day could get into the top eight, no problem. I think with those rear gunners behind Alex Rossi, and I'm sure they'll be told to help Rossi out if possible, um, given that's their only dog in the title fight. I'm sure they'll understand if they can say, you know, maybe not team orders, but, you know, like a whisper in the ear, like, listen, just make sure Rossi comes home in one piece, all right? Like, and let's be honest, Ed Jones has not been the best support for for, for Scott Dixon this year, this season. Jones has been inconsistent, and the yeah, only running two cars certainly hasn't helped. I think the wingmen will come into play here. And that that logic and Sonoma being tricky to pass and Rossi being very fast all season long, I'm gonna go for Alex Rossi to steal this title. I think I know what I'm. I'm taking the plunge. I have a feeling that you know, like Dixon will probably just end up qualifying on the front row and will bring home an easy second, and it will all be Dixon for the title. But I just have a hunch that I think Alex Rossi's gonna steal this at the death. I just ha- yeah, but like the thing is that Dixon doesn't have to win the race. No, he doesn't even have to finish ahead of Rossi. I think third mathematically would guarantee it for Dixon. If my maths is roughly right. Um, yeah, and that's if and that's if Rossi wins. Yeah, if if Rossi wins, barring bonuses coming into play, which who knows what what that could be. Yeah. Seven seats. Second would be enough for Dixon, because third third place it gets it gets funny because third place normally is thirty five points. That could be a thirty point yeah. swing, and again that could come down to bonus points. It could get very close 
if Dixon ends up third and Rossi wins. And Rossi tends to go well at Sonoma. So, then again, right now, Rossi's going well everywhere at this point. Um, he might be the, the, the best all-rounder in the field right now. Um, it's going to be tight. It's going to be tight. But I, I've got a feeling Rossi's going to gonna steal it. I really do. Um... So yeah, with the, the the wingman advantage, I think is going to play a hand in this too. I, I, I that, that's just the hunch I've got. I could be wrong, but uh, yeah, I, I like that's the that's the hunch I've got on this one. So I think it's going to be Alex Rossi. Prove me wrong, Connors. Prove me. Or in this case, prove me right, Connors. In this case, jeez, um, <laughs> on that one. So. Let's get into the news, and we got a whole bunch of it coming around. And this this first story came through today. Um, a, today a few hours ago. is Tuesday, the 3rd of September, mm -hmm. 2018. Um, as one door opens for one coveted former McLaren Jr., another door opens for another. Stoffel Van Dorn right. Lando Norris in. S turns out McLaren don't like Belgian waffles, they like beans on toast. And uh, yes, Stoffel is gone. Although... <laughs> Love Star Wars. <laughs> I also love that RJ said it was Tuesday, even though it's Monday today. <laughs> oh dear! But uh, yes, um, McLaren has dumped the waffles. They're going for the French. They're going for the beans on toast instead. Stoffel is gone. Lando Norris is in. And uh, I read the statement regarding this um, that McLaren put out regarding Stoffel, and you know they called him a fantastic team player. You know, they said that they... And the one that stood out to me, King, was that they said that they did not give Stoffel the tools to show his true talent. <laughs> Dear God Almighty. What does that tell you? Oh, my God. I... It means that this is a team in a rebuild mode. Um, that you... you They clearly have two drivers for... The far future, not the not the Stoffel future, which is kind of amazing. Given that again, that's that's it's kind of amazing given that McLaren clearly had a focus on trying to win now when they had Alonso and Button, and they were deliberately stifling Stoffel's development as a driver from day minus two. I would argue to get to this point, like. They like Stoffel was F one ready in twenty fourteen. If you ask me, I really do. I think yeah, he arguably he might have been F one ready in twenty thirteen because again, as a rookie in what, what in Formula Renault three point five, he almost beat Kevin Magnussen, the other McLaren junior who had a year's more experience in the same car. And who debuted in F one in twenty fourteen? Kevin Magnussen. Magnussen, who got a Formula One podium on his debut and kept it. Kevin Magnussen. Yep. Exactly, and Magnussen looks as good as he ever has in F1 right now. You know, he's doing excellent work leading Haas at the moment. And and all of that came after leaving McLaren. Yeah. You go back a little bit further. 2013, Lewis Hamilton departs to go to Mercedes. They bring in who McLaren and Ron Dennis named as the next big thing in Sergio Perez. Um, who almost won two Grand Prix in 2012. Let us not forget. Yes. Um, only his third. It was only his second season in F1 when that was going down, and Perez very nearly stole two wins uh, and got out of Dodge. And uh, yeah, uh, he was brought in and he was chewed up and spat out. You know, third-year guy going up against Jensen Button in his prime was always going to be a tough fight. Um, Checo came out on the on the bitter end of that fight. Apparently, the engineers were split. 
60-40 and they went with putting Kevin Magnussen in over Perez and Perez was fed to force was fed back to force India. Don't get me wrong, Perez has since come along to be very good since then with eight career podium finishes to his name since then um, in total for his career now. But uh, that's the point I was going to make about this. Like I find it alarming and in the worst sense that McLaren insisted on having a win now team. They wanted to have one big hitter at least in their team over the last five or six years, whether it be Jensen Button, Lewis Hamilton, Fernando Alonso when he came back and they made Magnussen collateral for him, basically. And, you know, it almost ended Magnussen's career. Perez's career took a good two years to recover after he left McLaren to, you know, to re-establish himself as the top as the, as the top midfielder, given that Hulkenberg was coming along strong in that Force India team as well. Like, <clears throat> you you add all that up, and not to mention you deliberately you deliberately stifled Stoffel's career for a good couple of years to have this win-now team, you know, that with a car that clearly wasn't good enough to have a win-now sort of roster. They've butchered everything they've had for the last five years, and for what? Another midfield team. Oh, look, it's an orange. It's all good now. Like, <laughs> it's an orange, and our cool uncle runs the team, and we're going to IndyCar. Yeah, it's, and you know, global. Uh, this team's going for a global expansion right when their F1 team has never looked so fucking dodgy. I, I, I just find that amazing. Yeah. Yeah, do you remember when we were all like, McLaren is back after Melbourne? They've gone into the shitter. Yeah. I could, I could definitely see why there was a staff revolt. Yeah. <laughs> like it's clear this team has no direction. It's, 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 it's terrifying to me that they have chewed up this much. You drove Fernando Alonso out of a team purely by not being good enough. Like that. Fernando Alonso is the most stubborn motherfucker on earth, and, he, and even he can't take this shit no more. He'd rather retire than keep doing this shit. Like, I feel, like, like, I, I, I can't believe it. It's like it makes it worse because when Red Bull were cutting, because Johnson put a chat and question that Discord saying whose academy system is chewed up and spat out more drivers, Red Bull or McLaren? I could make the case that while Red Bull have damaged more careers by chewing up more drivers and spitting them out. McLaren looked twice as stupid because McLaren's drivers have gone on to do better things since leaving them. No, no, like, no. The thing is, I, I'd argue say McLaren's just as bad. It's just not as visible because McLaren doesn't have a B team. So yeah, the, the, most yeah, of the people they, they spit up and chew out don't make it to F1. They don't have a visibly uh, heavy-handed uh, project leader overseeing it in Helmut Marco the way that Red Bull does. They don't have that kind of character. I, I just and find again, it amazing. And again, like, like, pour one out for Nick DeVries, who's been there since 2010 and has no hope of getting a Formula 1 drive. Nope, none. That, that, that ship has sailed, at least from where I'm sitting. Like... Zach Brown even shut that down a couple of weeks ago. Like it's, it's it's alarming. Like Stoffel Van Dorn was an A plus prospect, probably the strongest, probably the strongest junior driver resume since Nico Hulkenberg. Maybe even you can go back further and say Lewis Hamilton. Like Stoffel was ready to go in 2014, right. and he had seven wins in GP2 in 2015 from 21 races. He had 16 podiums. 
four feature race pole positions. He has the single season points record in what is now Formula 2. And the people that he beat to win that title, again, we just mentioned Alexander Rossi. Rossi finished second. Sergei Sorokin third. He's in Formula 1. Pierre Gasly yeah. finished eighth. He's in Formula 1 and about to get a promotion. Yeah, he's going to be in a top tier team next season. <laughs> of all things. Like, Stoffel was an A-plus prospect, and they've ruined him. It reminds me of Robert Griffin. It's like Robert Griffin all over again, but only in F1 form. You know, draft a highly talented kid, impresses people in his rookie year, but the team mistreats him, and he ends up, like, Griffin did his ACL in, and Stoffel was... Stoffel looks like a broken dude in that McLaren, like, and a car that they confirmed had a cracked chassis in it, and it was costing him at least two tenths a lap weight. Even Fernando was coming out and saying... No, our cars are different. Like, the data suggests that the cars are different, and they had to give Stoffel a new chassis, and the moment they gave him a new chassis, he was running right behind Alonso again before his gearbox failed in Hungary. Like, it just... It, it is a mess. When your own team CEO is coming out and saying that we couldn't give you a competitive car, your team is a shambles. He's right. He's, right. he's absolutely right. They, they, they let Stoffel down a lot more than Stoffel let the team down. Like it's 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 amazing just how I and like the thing with Stoffel as well I've noticed is that I see other drivers, engineers, people in the paddock gush about how talented this kid is. Yeah, I don't see that for any other youth talents. Like again, you get the usual plethora of fan guys when a good driver doesn't make it. The whole paddock was coming out in support yeah. of Stoffel. You they know how good he is. You do not dominate the junior formulas of Europe the way that he did on accident by dumb no. luck. Um, hell, even the super formula season that many people agree was kind of redundant, he was still really good in that as well. And he was racing against professionals. Yeah. He is a super talent. An A-plus prospect in this team. I hope hasn't done his career permanent damage because there's not a lot of seats left. There really isn't. Like, Toro Rosso will probably have one open seat. I'm, I'm going to assume Brendan Hartley will be kept for next year because Red Bull don't really have much of a choice on the matter in this one. Um, you know, there could be a seat at Williams. There could be a seat at Sauber. Um, there could be two. Most likely one seat at Sauber because Marcus Ericsson is a mainstay. Um, for obvious reasons, but uh, it's it, it could be looking like it's looking like Charles Leclerc won't be there next year. Dot dot nudge nudge wink wink. Yeah. More on that in a minute, but yeah, there could be a seat at Williams potentially. But it looks yeah, because like of the confirmed seats, yeah, Hostel has both seats open. Technically, like technically, they have confirmed seats open. Uh, Saber both seats open. Tarasso both seats open. Williams both seats open, and Ferrari with only one seat. Yeah, so. Does anyone give Stoffel the job for next year? In a just society, I definitely hope so. I really, really hope so. Because, again, his talent is much more reflective than uh, than his results. From, again, just last year, up until very late in the season, Stoffel Van Dorn had the majority share of McLaren's points. The kid's good. Yeah. But he needs a clean break from McLaren. Definitely. It's, it reminds me to draw uh, another sporting analogy. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers of the National Hockey League uh, put all their chips around number one pick Taylor Hall. And then a few years later, they found a number, another number one can't miss all-star of the future in Connor McDavid. 
Now they have two number one can't miss superstars of the future. So they go all in on McDavid and trade away Taylor Hall for virtually nothing. Taylor Hall goes to New Jersey and now he's the MVP of the National Hockey League. Though in fairness, Connor McDavid is doing a lot better. And in this case, the Connor McDavid of this analogy is Lando Norris. Uh, do we should should we bring up the great McLaren Young Driver Program purge of 2011 oh. about like how they had so many dudes in their Young Driver Program mm-hmm. from uh, Oliver Rowland, Alex Alex, Alex Albon, uh, Jack Harvey, Guido Vandergaard. Uh, Oliver Turvey was the one guy that survived the purge, uh, along with uh, Kevin Magnuson. Uh, but pretty much like they had pretty much everybody and then i think yeah because 2010 uh 2010 they signed jensen button instead of promoting young driver oh god what a mess i mean let's look on the positive side of the coin here lando norris is going to be there next year and let's not get it twisted this kid is also another a plus prospect and like lando norris is a supreme talent Uh, he's won everywhere he's raced and (coughs) in any other circumstance i think we'd be a lot more excited about lando norris in an f1 car he's not even 19 till december but at the same time it just feels a little like like the edges were kind of been taken off it a little bit because uh because you know before feel a bit bad for stoffel because we all know how good he is but Mm -hmm. He is a super talented prospect, and yeah. there's if the team is if the team gets their shit together, Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris is an excellent team. Let's let's yeah. not make the mistake. That is a team that is built for the future, as McLaren really needed to do the first time, and now I don't know how I don't know how they chewed up this many young talents, but they've finally gotten <laughs> done it. Let's go ahead and run down Lando Norris's career summary: British Formula Four champion, 2015. Euro Cup Formula Renault 2.0 2016, champion along with the Northern European Series and the Toyota Racing Series of New Zealand that same year. 2017 European Formula 3 Championship, his first full season, champion going away. 2018, wins the first race of the Formula 2 Championship, is still solidly in title contention. Absolutely. And yeah, George Russell is going to be another top tier talent in his own right, and he might not, he might not even be in F one next year, and that's a terrifying thought to me as it is. But yes, and also kind of the happy side effect that with Lando being promoted, most likely the McLaren Young Driver program will probably cease to exist because they'll only have one driver left in the program, Nick DeVries. Hey, is he still there for all those tune voiceovers, right? But, yeah, like, Lando, he will be great. I have no question about that. He's he's a very exciting talent and probably the future of British F1 alongside George Russell. So there's a lot of reason to be excited there, and I can't wait to see how he turns out um, in in that scenario. I just hope McLaren gets their fucking shit together by then because that team is a hot mess. When people are tweeting me saying they'd rather see a guy in Williams than McLaren right now for this very reason... (laughs) McLaren looks like a proper shit show, um, and yeah, I, I, I want McLaren to do well, just uh, get your shit together, boys, but uh, it's looking like, further up the field at Ferrari, that uh, the Charles Leclerc to Ferrari move is seemingly back on. Um, yeah, now this has been reported by multiple sources, again, this is not official just yet, but no. multiple outlets have started to pick up the story that the this German press are big on this. Right. 
Yeah, German press are big on this. This will be this will be Raikkonen's last year at Ferrari to move weight for Charles Leclerc. Um, we've had this debate multiple times. You know, you know, Kimi's still good, but this would also be the best time for him to get out. You know, if he's going out on top, why not just do so? Go out with Alonso as he came in with him. Um, you don't have to worry about what would have happened. You don't have to worry about oh, Kimi Raikkonen left it too late. True that. It's it, there's a lot of talk as well that it seemed that you know like that Leclerc had uh, broken a deal with Marchioni just before he started falling ill, which is also God kind of poetic in a sense as well. Um, yeah, I'll also point out Johnson. Of course, everyone deserves a minority more than your team because minority is the only good team that matters nowadays. Of course, I I know they've been off the grid for 13 years and exists now as Toro Rosso. I don't care. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know what's funny about this? It's like they're dropping Raikkonen just as he's starting to find his feet again in this Ferrari team and actually being valuable and useful to this team going forward. And now you drop him for Charles Leclerc. It's like, are we sure this is the right idea? Because the Leclerc hype has kind of cooled off a little bit. And the same token, Raikkonen's not looked this strong in the hybrid era. Like, like, as I mentioned, like, Raikkonen's had nine podium finishes this season. Like, whew. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this, though. Leclerc has done the job that he was brought into Alfa Romeo Sauber to do, which was to get the team off the basement level. Yeah. God, it's, it's going to be tricky. And Leclerc's done that in spades, obviously. He's got 13 points this season. Um... Again, you know what's this ain't even the wildest development of silly season because Tarasso um, has a new player in the uh, in the race to get the other to get at least one of the vacant cars. Oh, yeah, it's now been linked that Danny Kafiat might be back for his third. Oh my god, his fourth or the fifth. <laughs> Or the sits, or who knows at this point. Danny Kvyat's got Stockholm syndrome. Like Jesus Christ! Like I, I, th- I think the last time somebody had done three stints with a team before was Nigel Mansell with Williams. I think did three. Pierre Luigi Martini at Minardi from like the late '80s to the early '90s. Yeah, it's it, it doesn't happen often That's to do name. three separate stints with one team. Um, Jesus Christ! Like. They're that desperate they're going to give Danil another call. Like, Danil, you know how this ends, right? Like, <laughs> like... It ends with so, your dismissal and Matt's Verstappen winning a race. That's, 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 that's how it works. But, like I said, like, I don't know if you know, saw this on Sky's coverage, but during Martin Brundle's grid walk, John Eric Vern was on the grid. Um, and they interviewed... And, you know, Brundle went straight for the jugular, as he often does, said to Vern, are you coming back next year? And Vern said... To do what? Finish between 8th and 10th every year and then fire me? He's right. <laughs> He's right, though. John Eric Fern has a great thing going with Formula E now. Oh, yeah. He doesn't need to come back for this. And the same thing with Sebastian Buemi as well. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's like... Brendan Hartley is giving up an opportunity to race at the front in literally any other series. Mm-hmm. You don't need two drivers to do that. Yeah, Vern's got... Vern's got, you know good shit going on right there he really has and i don't see any 
real gain of him going back to F1 to do the same shit he did last time. Struggle in a B team, finish, score, finish and score minor points, and then get dismissed for the next young hotshot like Dan Tictum again. So what's the point? <sighs> you know, so... I, I don't get it. I, I just I, I don't get why they don't just give Alex Albon a call and say, listen, you can be Thailand's first F1 driver. Come on over. Like, like the amount... Whoa, whoa, whoa. He would not be Thailand's first F1 driver. <laughs> okay, my bad. I thought he was. <laughs> London's he finest. Races, Thanks, he raced with a Thailand's <laughs> license. Look, if Johnny Herbert won't call him by his first name on, on formal... No, 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 no. We're forgetting that Prince Biro was the thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. There is also the, also, there's also Prince Biro as well. Yeah, that, that that is a thing. That is a thing. Not 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 denying that, but uh, Kvyat, don't do it. Don't do it. Like you're better than that, mate. Like find something else where people actually respect and appreciate you. Like Come don't to IndyCar. Yeah, there Join is Indy a Lights. massive Russian-sized hole in our hearts that has been left vacant since Mikhail Aloshin was fired. Thanks, sanctions. Thanks, sanctions. But uh, like I said, no, like I'm, I'm completely in that boat. Just do something where people actually give a shit about you, rather than F1 where they are going to boot you to the curb for Tictum. I know that's 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 what's going to happen. That's exactly what's going to happen. Like Tictum will I get think, the points and then I'll move on yeah. from him. They'll dump him yeah. again. Yeah, I think uh, I I want to co-opt a theory that King had that Red Bull are just trying to break the super license point system on purpose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but we can't. Yeah, we can't afford drivers for our second team. Oh no, what a problem! Um, and I'm going to segue this in nicely because uh, Toto Wolf thinks he's come up with another solution to the young driver predicament, and it's that old chestnut again: free car teams. <laughs> Here we go again, because he wants he wants a third he wants a third car for a team so he can run a young driver and they can maybe impress he wants and surprise him. Podium. Of course he does. Why wouldn't he? Like he's a factory team. It's in his best interest to try and do that. So why wouldn't he run a third team? He claims it's not that much more expensive. It is um, <laughs> to run a third car, have them run a young driver in it, and then that, as a result, would uh, you know give young drivers more of an opportunity and whatnot. Like, I don't know. I saw a lot of people responded to this by saying, oh, "Why didn't you just buy out Force India or buy out Mana?" And I'm like, "Guys, I don't think you want that as badly as you think." Like, yeah, because there is a whole. There's a difference between having a second team and having a third car. A third car can be exactly the same as the first two cars on the team. Mm -hmm. A second team, you're going to have to build a whole new car. It can't be the same car as the A-team. Right. Exactly. My, my, my solution is, you know, just, you know, fits the financial structure of the sport, put in a salary cap that makes it actually enticing for new teams to want to come in, and eventually, you could have another team that's immediately competitive right off the bat, like a Haas was when they first came in. And you have more opportunities for more seats that people actually want to take part in. Right. Exactly. This all goes back to the financial structure being so broken. It's as simple as that. Like, like even, even if you implemented a budget cap, there's still the massive caveat that you cannot receive prize money in your first two seasons in Formula One. Yeah, which is a which is an incentive killer for any potential new investor that would want to invest. F1 is completely uninvestable in its current state of mind. Like, yeah, I, would, 
I would love to see, like, you know, a team like... Maybe SMP Racing wants to start the capital to start their own F1 team and not just buy up a majority share of Williams. I'd love to see a team like ART or Prima or Dams come in to Formula One and be competitive. But it's not going to happen. Because they have good things somewhere else and they shouldn't want and they shouldn't change. And they won't. No. And yeah, the factory teams are gonna, the factory teams would fight that till till the day they died. On if Haas are willing to be the only team that's gonna stop Force India getting their 2018 prize money as racing point, how do you think they're gonna feel about their slice of the pie being taken away? Of course they're not yeah, gonna do it. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure, it, like, this is just speculation. I'm pretty sure Haas were. Haas would have felt like, oh, if Force India can get prize, like, if the, this new team can get prize money, can we be reimbursed for the prize money that we should be owed? Yeah. I, love, I love how wonderfully perfect our sport is, that we're literally pitting our midfield teams against one another for survival <laughs> on a consistent basis. Call back to the first episode this week. Yeah. It's a bloodbath. <laughs> it is a bloodbath. And as I said, that's, that's the worst thing about it. I've mentioned this before. F1 lives or dies on its independence. It's as simple as that. You need independent teams. There's not enough factories out there that's willing to invest. If that's not going to be the case, you need the independent triers to get up there and stick their forks in where necessary. Where, because it wasn't that long ago in F1 where there was a, he a healthy plethora of said teams. That isn't a thing now so much. And if you're not in the top four, you're surviving. If the independents start... Because yeah, ma ma manufacturers and independents to a lesser degree, but mainly the manufacturers are in Formula 1 based on, firstly, the state of the automotive industry, and secondly, the state of the economy as yeah, a whole. Right. Within a span like, of 12 months, we had Honda, BMW, and Toyota all quit and take their customer engine deals with them. Not to mention the WEC with Porsche dropping out and Audi dropping and out. And Audi dropping out and Nissan dropping out. Yep. And now there's barely any incentive to go to LP1 Privateer because, hey, we might redo the format next year. And it might not be the best idea to go ahead with when you consider <laughs> that IMSA has something that's already there. Yep. And it's yeah. successful. Exactly. So if the independents die, the factory starts sinking to the bottom. And if a factory is at the bottom of the manufacturer standings, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to quit. <laughs> yeah, because it's not financially viable to be in the sport. <laughs> so you need the independents to be involved. And you've, and you've got... No, no. If, if you made a financial system that was viable for independence to be self-sufficient, a manufacturer would be fine coming in last place because they would not lose money for being in last place. Exactly. So, the whole structure needs to be redone. Like, every major issue F1 has could stem back to the pay structure. You fix that, you could start seeing fixes in a lot of the sports problems across the board. Like... It starts at the top, and that is the biggest crippler in this sport right now, because a lot of the decisions you see and a lot of the politics that revolve around this sport all tread back to that pay scale. Simple as that. If you're not going to fix it, you're going to still see these cracks emerge. Haas and Force India should not be competing against each other this hard, and yet here we are, and they're the two best independents in the sport right now. Kind of says it all. Um, anyway, going back to America for a bit. King, Circuit of the Americas for IndyCar, anyone? 
What? Yes. So, it's been heavily rumored that Circle of the Americas will replace Phoenix in the calendar around the same time, so it'd be roughly the second round of the championship. Uh, the only... The biggest obstacle in the way was that uh, Texas Motor Speedway had uh, geographic ex- exclusivity to for IndyCar. That means IndyCar could not race in the state of Texas uh, as long as Texas Motor Speedway was on the calendar. Uh, but uh, Texas Motor Speedway's new contract precludes that. It does not include. It does not include geographic exclusiv- exclusivity to allow Circuit of the Americas to be on the calendar now at the start of the year. So it's seemingly all but confirmed. It's all but official that Circuit of the Americas will be on the calendar next year in at the early part of the season. But where, yeah, I was thinking, because, like, where do you put it? At the start of the season? That seems like the best fit. After all, you, you're building up to F1 at the end of the calendar year. Yeah, and, you, and, yes. you, and you've just lost Phoenix on the calendar, so you need to fill that gap at the top of the calendar. Um, so round two, maybe, could be at the Circuit of the Americas. You know, pretty close to when the MotoGP races in early April. You could go after that and, you know, keep keep a lot of the fans in there. You know, hey, maybe do a double discount deal or something like that. Say, hey, if you're here for the bike race and want to come back yeah. for IndyCar in a couple of weeks' time or, or what have Coda you. Coda did just lose IMSA not too long ago, and they just lost the WEC. So they're looking for another marquee event to fill that get those gaps. Exactly. So, you know, put it at the top of the calendar. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not the biggest fan of the Circuit of the Americas in general. I think it's a great spectacle. I think it's a great location. I think it's a great venue. Venue, not the best racetrack, and it's got that whole F1 MotoGP conflict right now between bumps and, and you know drivability and rideability of it. It's not been a great bike track at all, unfortunately. The MotoGP races there have all been pretty boring outside of maybe 2013, and you know the F1 races mostly have. Like to be fair, the F1 races have been pretty good for the most part, but mostly down to shenanigans. You know who doesn't love a good a bit of rain in Texas, huh? Uh, force India, get the boat out. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll have to see how it plays out. I mean, it could be different for IndyCar as well. And that it, that does have me curious, I have to say. But uh, sticking to the American theme as well. Congratulations to Pato Award for winning the Indy Lights title this weekend at Portland. Congrats to him. Drove magnificently that yes. weekend as well. Um, so, so Pato Award will be in the, the IndyCar series for at least three rounds in 2019. But, he won nine pole position, mm. nine wins, thirteen podiums in a awesome season where he had to pretty much fight Colton Herta all the way for the title. Indeed, but hey, good news—you get an advanced preview of how they fare in IndyCar because both Pato Award and Colton Herta will be running for Hardin Racing at Sonoma during the season finale next weekend. So uh, both of yes. those guys will be in the Hardin car. So as King alluded to earlier. IndyCar's going to start having some problems soon about tracks that might be too small for the amount of entries they've got. <laughs> yes, where... Oh my dear Jesus. We could be seeing 27 entries at Sonoma, where... In in terms of... In terms of facilities at Sonoma, it's, it's fine. They have enough pit boxes to support you know, the amount of cars uh, that are going to be entering the race, it's more of an issue of racing surface. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, they could put 40 stock cars onto, uh, they can put 40 plus stock cars onto Sonoma, but they use a different track layout, and also, single-seater cars, deceptively much bigger than stop cars. Just yes, because any car's pit boxes are larger than the NASCAR's pit boxes. Right. So, it could be seeing issues like, hey, if St. Pete might have a Grand Prix that could have 27 or 28 full-time entries next year, do you really want 28 race cars on a street circuit with a one-minute lap round there? It's going to be pandemonium, especially in a sport where blue flags are advisory and not mandatory. And even if it wasn't, it would still be could potentially be a hot mess. Um, Though at other places, the number of the the number of pit boxes is an issue. Like this year at Mid Ohio, they have. 22 available spots. They were able to squeeze in two more boxes to up it to 24 this year. Uh, yeah, most of the other road courses have between somewhere between 20, 24 and 26 spaces on offer. And again, Harding are going to be a two-car team next year. McLaren are coming, so it's going to be more than 27 yeah, cars. Yeah, to run into. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Acquaintance space is, yeah. space is going to be an issue. Acquaintance of the show, David Land, has also pointed out this is effectively the race to see who's going to be Fernando Alonso's teammate next year if you believe certain rumors of where Alonso yes. is going next season. Indeed, yeah. It's looking like it could be a collaboration with uh, Andretti and Harding that could run Alonso next year. And also, it's wild to think that after healing the wounds of the split and actually getting its own standalone formula, IndyCar's now in a position where it, like, Maybe it has to turn it, turn people away from some of these races. But, but my gut feeling about this, IndyCar being IndyCar, they want everyone to run. And they're considering uh, doing things to get more cars and more venues. So St. Petersburg, where the limit is 26, they're, they've already thrown out the possibility of shortening the pit boxes to run up to 28 cars at St. Pete next year. Oof. That's tight, man. Oof. I guess it's going to come down to that, but yeah, I mean, IndyCar has come a long way if it, if it even has the possibility of potentially throwing out extra entries that can't make it. Um, of course, it's a bit of a hot mess. We have like you know, like the the days of the qualifying race, more bump days for everybody. But um, no, it's 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 a good problem to have. Let's put it that way. Um, and it's exciting. And again, again Kota is a great venue, and that's a great addition to the IndyCar calendar. No matter which way you slice it, if they're able to pull that off as well. So, you know, again, keep an eye on that one. We'll keep an eye on that one for you. If the developments um, turn around, and it'll, you know, we'll see how it plays out as the 2019 IndyCar grid takes shape. We didn't mention it last week, but uh, heavy rumors as well. Felix Rosenquist will be for Chip Ganassi Racing finally uh, next season. There's been a lot of smoke around that for a couple of years now. That's uh, our man, driver for hire will finally be an IndyCar with Chip Ganassi in the number 10 You're car. You're free so now. You're free now. <laughs> You're free now. You have a permanent home now. Yep. Like, driver for hire is no more. Connor Daly is the new driver for hire. Welcome uh, <laughs> aboard, Connor. The, the torch has been that higher. That higher part is the more difficult part for Connor. Yeah. Yeah. And on that note... I think we're just about done here for for part two and this taping in general. So, woo, an absolutely heaped stack of over two hours worth of content there for you, split across two shows. I hope you guys have enjoyed both episodes. Inject it into your eardrums. Do it now. Indeed. You've already done it. Do it again. 
Why not? You can, you can listen to RJ's singing voice, and you know, King, you know, go back and listen to King doing the French national anthem, episode one forty-one. It's great. Um, <laughs> are are me could... bashing Silverstone in the episode prior? Sure, could, why we not? Could do, we could do the gimmick. We could do the gimmick of uh, the 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 uh, the the karaoke singer who sings uh, Bob Seger's old time rock and roll, but it's just the first line every time. Just take those old records off the shelf. This is blatant gimmick infringement. Just take those old records off the shelf. Can I wrap this show up now? Is that all right? Yes, is that acceptable? Yes. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> basically, you can find us one more time on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101, Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101, Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101, our personal handles at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, and at RJ O'Connell. Um, again, our website, Harrison, what, Harrison? got some other website, Motorsport101.com. I'm tired, bear with me. Um, again, RJ's got a great piece up there about uh, ta-da, and get your jokes in there basically um, on that one and again we're on Patreon you can back us financially on there if you really like us patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 five dollars gets you early access to both this show and bike life bike life 75 is out right now talking about the cancelled race at Silverstone episode 76 will be up this weekend or early next week at the absolute latest um, and yeah 10 bucks gets you into our discord server where you can banter with us and listen to the show live as they go out thanks everyone in there for listening along as well as always i'm now going to go off and drink a cider i've been andre harrison thank you very much for listening they've been ryan king and rj o'connell and we'll catch you guys next week sayonara later y'all bye You are the world champion! I've just also realised there's no major motorsport next week. Oops. Oh! Oh well. Yeah, who's who's ready for... Motorsport 101 doing Bike Live. <laughs> get, get a second Bike Live episode, free of charge. Hey, there's an idea. Lewis, you're, on an, you're in double duty editing-wise. Have fun with that. This is our <laughs> pilot episode of Keeping It 101, um, and it's all about football. <laughs> I'm okay with this. It's like, guys, they boo a lot here. <laughs> <laughs> How dare they? They play 90 minutes a week. <sighs>